Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. You're watching The Hash on Coindesk TV and listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jen Sinassi. We got Zach Seward and Will Foxley with us today. And we are going to start the show off with a bank report. It's been so long since I've had the chance to troll Will with one of these. So here we go. JP Morgan analysts say that centralized crypto exchanges will remain dominant despite FTX's collapse which contradicts some crypto-native figureheads who predict a shift towards DeFi platforms in the wake of FTX's implosion. The analyst cited an absence of a limit order stop loss feature on DEXs, dependency on price oracles that source data from centralized exchanges, hacks, and exploits as some of the reasoning. Zach, I'm going to kick it off to you for your thoughts on this bank report. Before Will Foxley dunks on this poor bank analyst and calls him a midwit, I will stand up for this report and I believe that this is right. Humans have a long history of entrusting other people to do complicated things for them. And sometimes being your own bank sucks. And sometimes yield farming out on the wilds of DeFi also sucks. And that's why we saw firms like Celsius and others leverage some of these DeFi protocols to give lazy users some of that sweet sweet yield and i think directionally if that's the argument that's being made here directionally that point will stand and i think despite all of the chest thumping that this is DeFi's moment i think probably those are pretty stiffed like stiff human headwinds to overcome right that that desire for uh for laziness for entrusting others to do things uh that you know can be tricky especially in crypto with self-custodying assets that stuff can be tricky for a lot of folks. And sometimes we don't want to be our own bank. We just want someone to be our bank for us. So 
I'm going to toss it to Will because he's probably going to just slam this poor fool. But I just wanted to pipe up in anticipation of Will's thing that he's going to say right now. Wow, I'm disappointed in you too because I actually did some research beforehand to make sure that if a dunk was appropriate or not, I would or would not make it. And I am not going to dunk on this man because it actually was the right call. The analysis here was solid. Zach, I agree with everything you said. Everything in this report is quite solid. I don't want to go DeFi yield farming all the time. Sometimes I just want to get that sweet, sweet yield on a centralized exchange, and that's where I'm going to go. And I looked up this guy. He's a little older. He knows what he's doing. He's been around the block a few times, and he made a solid argument in this piece. So I'm going to leave it there. All the people I've dunked on in the past are those fools who have just been like finding out what yield farming is three days before. They just figured out what chain link oracles are. Those are the people who deserve some scrutiny, deserve to be dunked on. This guy, I, know, I forgot your name, was coming along. You know, keep going with it. Keep going with that. I appreciate it. Zach, back over to you. I got to give it to you. I got to get Jen on the board here. Jen, come on. What do you think? I was going to, I was first going to say to Will, how do you know it was a man? Because the article just said analyst, but you did your research. So there you go, Will. Thank you for doing your research before coming on the show. I agree with both of you and this analyst. I think for the mainstream to adopt DeFi, it really takes a retraining of the brain. We've been trusting other people with our money since, as, for as long as we can remember, since we were born, you know, we put our monies in the banks. That's just what happens. And I don't think that that's going to change overnight. I think some of the reasons that were mentioned in here you know, the, the hacks and the exploits and the risks that come with holding your own money, people aren't ready for. Banks give us insurance. Credit cards give us insurance. We know that we have that backstop. If, if we do something wrong, if we lose our card or someone steals it, or there is some kind of data breach that we know well, or we trust that the banks have our back. And so I agree with this report. I don't think that we are just going to turn and everyone's going to start adopting DeFi. I think there are a lot of problems to be solved. But I do think that what's happened in the industry is one step in the right direction for crypto literacy. I think the fact that we're talking about DeFi, I think the fact that um, DeFi is something that's being mentioned in the news and mainstream headlines, it may push the average user to learn a little bit more about what's going on in the DeFi space and and maybe they'll decide to start experimenting later on. Zach, what do you got? All right, all these bearish DeFi takes, I got to pipe up. I'm still bullish long-term <laughs> DeFi. I think DeFi is in the very nascent early stages. A lot of the UX is janky as hell. And one day, I think there's going to be more sophisticated ways for people to use these protocols that are really genuinely powerful. The fact that you can do these things on the internet without the need for someone to trust that they're doing it on your behalf uh, is a good lesson to to take to heart in the wake of some of the recent collapses that we've seen. So I will pipe up for DeFi. I think bullish. I'm bullish on DeFi long term. The fact that you can do these bank like things on the internet with smart contracts is super duper cool. And yes, it's going to be a long road to get there, but I think one day the economy, the crypto economy, will ultimately get there. Will. Okay, I will point out a few nitpicks in this article. You point out some things oh, that are not good for D- yeah, I know, I know. We kind of have to, though. You have to correct the record. That's what we're all here for. He pointed out a few things that DeFi can't do when, in fact, it can do. So there's a few things on here, most notably, he calls stop losses. Just make You can't do that on DeFi. He says like that hurts your trading experience, and that would be true. But there are some DeFi protocols that actually have figured this out. And I think that's where the next wave of a lot of this DeFi stuff going is off-chain computation and on-chain settlement. 
And that's what's going to open up broader horizons for any sort of DeFi exchange to really take off. So DYDX is probably the most well-known exchange for some sort of derivatives contract or more complex DeFi experience. Yes, on Uniswap, you're not able to add in like all these different market orders, stop orders, stop losses, all those things that doesn't exist yet because the protocols aren't really built for that. That protocol is built as like plumbing for general network. But there are other DeFi applications that you can do this with. So I got to correct the record a little bit. Otherwise, it's a good note. I appreciated this banking analyst for once nailing it. Zach, to you. Amazing. Wow. We can grow and change. Congratulations, Will. So glad you're here. All right, let's change gears. That was a nice opening segment. Good times. Good spicy stuff. We have a special guest. We're doing an interview, guys. This is going to be great. All right. November was Crypto Literacy Month. And what a month it was for crypto literacy because all sorts of things hit the fan in November in the crypto world. So now we have a crypto literacy survey. And it reveals that there's still a big-time crypto knowledge gap in the U.S., with 91% of respondents unable to pass a test on crypto basics. Joining us to discuss this and more is CoinMe CEO and co-founder Neil Bergquist. Neil, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's just go with the headline number off the bat. 91, that's a pretty bad, that's a pretty bad number. That's a 9, 9% success rate if I'm doing the math wrong, if I'm doing the math correct. I hope I'm doing the math correct. That's not great. Why so bad? Why did you, did you game it so that the test was really hard? Or is that really just the level of understanding out there in the world right now? Well, last year, 96% didn't pass. So I, I would say this is an improvement. And that's, that's great to see almost that increase uh, 2x in the last 12 months. I mean, you could, this was really inspired by FINRA, which is a financial literacy quiz. And over 95% of the people can't pass that. And it's only six questions on basic financial literacy across the U.S. So maybe crypto literacy is higher than financial literacy. Okay, so I should mention, first of all, that CoinMe did this initiative and supporting partners included MoneyGram and Coindesk. So full disclosure there, you're watching Coindesk TV. Thanks for being here. So this past year has been a really big year for crypto adoption. I think something like a third of uh, Americans uh, hold crypto, according to this survey. That's up significantly. And many people kind of invested in, in the wake of a pretty major bull market. And now, obviously, we're in the depths of a deep, deep bear. Do you think that the current state of the markets will have a lasting impact on those new participants' understanding and desire to be in the crypto space going forward? I mean, I think the understanding is increasing. I mean, just that conversation about DeFi, I think a lot of people are now understanding what DeFi is and what self-custody is as well. And those are important things to learn. And sometimes you have to go through some adversity before learning. But hopefully like this initiative helps people understand before they take the leap and can really set themselves up for success and have a positive experience in crypto. But like we saw in the wake of Mt. Gox, you know, people that hold uh, can benefit if you look long to take a long term perspective. So, you know, really now more than ever, the literacy across the industry is extremely important, and, and we're here to, to lead that initiative. Neil, thanks for joining us again this morning. I, I want to talk about this last month and what's been going on there. Obviously, there's a little irony that Zach was hinting at the fact that FTX might have been, you know, the greatest awakening for a lot of people in their crypto education journey. Uh, and that's unfortunately how it goes. It's either a bull run or the bear and you know, liquidations down that cause people to learn what is crypto in the first place. But from your perspective, like what 
maybe is the, the larger push for people to learn about crypto? Uh, are you getting a sense that people are just like walking out of the industry or not really wanting to be here anymore? Uh, it's really curious to get your take on like what we've seen in the last month. Yeah, I mean, the last month has been really unfortunate. It, it, no one disagrees with that. You know, I can't comment on whether people are leaving the industry, but I think if you just look at Twitter, you can see definitely a, a negative sentiment and people feeling like they got taken advantage of, which is horrible. And a lot of regulated exchanges doing it the right way who have been building that trust for years are are definitely upset of an actor um, essentially losing that very quickly. I think, though, as as you all have probably said, you know, the technology hasn't failed. The, uh, you know, Bitcoin hasn't failed. Many companies, most of the companies in the space have not failed. So there's there's definitely a lot to still be excited about. And I think that this overall environment is a great learning opportunity and a great opportunity to really understand the risks associated with digital currency and that it is still early. Um, and, and people are learning that very quickly. You know, when we talk about educating people about self-custody and safe transactions, we say there is a need for more accessible information. And it feels like so many companies in the space, this one included, this show is meant to give accessible information, have done that. The information is out there. What barriers do we need to break to actually have people, I guess, ex- access and take in that information because that 91% number is still pretty big. And I think that if we if we were to just browse the internet for a little bit, we would find a lot of videos, a lot of content out there that explains a lot of these topics we're talking about. I think consumer education broadly is very difficult. I mean, when you go out to eat, do you really know everything that's in the food um, and what the supply chain consists of? No. And, you know, but we're, there's a lot of groups out there trying uh, to help promote that consumer education. In cryptocurrency, it's the same thing. You know, let's let's invest an in effort and be dedicated to that as an industry as we're still growing to help promote that education. Uh, and that education helps people understand the value of digital currency, and therefore it helps people weather storms like this and make smart decisions. You know, do your own research, and overall that creates a healthier ecosystem and a healthier industry long term. So, education actually benefits this industry. Um, I don't think some industries or companies can say that uh, consumer education benefits their business, but we know that digital currency and blockchain technology is a superior technology. And the more people who understand that, the more people are going to adopt it and, and ride the ups and the downs, which you know obviously the media tends to cover the most. Uh, so it's, that education is extremely important, and we all just need to dedicate some effort to making sure we do that. Great. Well, thanks so much, Neil. We really appreciate you spending the time getting the word out there. Thanks for joining us on The Hash. That was CEO and co-founder of CoinMe, Neil Bergquist. All right, we're going to take a break. And then after the break, we're going to talk about more stuff, including Solana's phantom wallet going multi-chain. Stick with us, that and more on The Hash. So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second, it's not convenience, and it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. 
Join over 300,000 Minima Node Runners on the Incentive Program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one for U.S. dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin. Hey there, welcome back to The Hash. I'm Zach Seward, that's Jensen Assey, that's Will Foxley. We're here to talk about some stuff, including Phantom, that's Solana's leading crypto wallet. They are going multi-chain, everybody's doing it. Multi-chain is the way to be. After sort of conquering the uh, wallet space over in Solana, Phantom is going to Ethereum and Polygon. That's what's happening, that was announced today as covered here. All right, let's talk about this thing. Multi-chain wallets, the fate of Solana, couple different takes we could take on this this thing right here. So I'm going to toss it to Jen. Jen, what are your thoughts on this phantom development? First of all, I wish we played our Wallet Wars graphic, but that's mm. a yes for another time. Amen. Now, yeah, we just came out of our yeah, we just came out of our segment talking about crypto literacy, right? And I said that there's a lot of information out there. I think that the next wave of crypto literacy is going to come from really easy user experience. I think the information is out there. It's overwhelming. No one wants to sit and watch videos and read really long articles. The Solana ecosystem was really an entry-level ecosystem for a lot of people who wanted to get into crypto via NFTs. It was you know, uh, cheaper, faster, a little bit easier to use than some of the other ecosystems out there. And now that the Phantom Wallet is allowing its users to go cross-chain to these other ecosystems. I think that's great. I think this is how we get users to understand the complexities by trying things out. That said, I think I wonder what MetaMask is going to do. You know, when I read the story, I remembered that really large round, I think it was a Series D round they rose in March. The company was valued at over $7 billion. One of their um, MOs from that round was to improve user experience and look at cross-chain features. And so I want to know how MetaMask is going to respond to this. Will, I saw your hand go up. Yeah, just as an aside, I don't even like hearing the word MetaMask anymore because my first thought is, where's the Twitter bots? They're going to come and attack me. Uh, But that's just on Twitter, of course. I want to talk about bear market versus bull market thesis. I think this is a good story to do so. During the bull market, we saw a lot of people open up NFT competitors, right? You know, OpenSea was dominating. They've been building during the last bear market and during the bull market, they reap all the benefits from that. They had like 90% dominance of all NFT marketplaces. And we saw a few different companies and exchanges try to boot up their own NFT marketplaces in order to gain some of that traction, right? So Coinbase launched one. I think Kraken was working on one. There was a bunch of other protocols out there. Like, um, can't even name them all. Like, there's so many, right? And that's a bull market play. You're trying to get all these interactions and all these users during a bull market, you get all those trading fees, and you're trying to move fast. What we're seeing here is different. It's a bear market thesis where you're changing your strategy, moving cross-chain in order to build up for the next bull market.
market. So I think this is important for Phantom because yes, Solana is great, but they really focus in on Solana during bull market because that's where the total amount of users could be found, right? That's where they're trying to get all their revenues. And now that there's a nice break, there's a pause, everyone's coins are down, there's no trading volumes, no one really cares about the space at this moment. This is a great opportunity to start changing and pivoting into different marketplaces. And there's not going to be a lot of frustration with it. If you made this announcement a year ago and said that, hey, I'm a Solana app, I'm building on Ethereum, there would be a lot of Twitter threads about how you have hurt the community and how terrible of a builder you are. That's not really going to happen right now. People are looking at this. They're a little more calm. They're just building. It's like, oh, cool, you're building on Polygon. Oh, cool, you're building on Ethereum. Now I have more options. Last thought on this, MetaMask. Phantom, and there's also a few others. Rainbow.me is supposedly building a browser wallet. We're going to see, yes, wallet wars actually increase, especially for browsers themselves. We're going to see more options, which is great, given that MetaMask has a lot of dominance in the space, which is a centralized aspect, and MetaMask's recent changing of their IP address rulings, which a lot of people weren't happy about. Won't get too much into that because that's a very deep level conversation to jump into. But I'm glad to see that there's more options coming to the table. Zach, over to you. Yeah, are we really entering sort of the wallet wars era, right? The browser wars of the late 90s and early 2000s. Maybe there's going to be some wallet consolidation in this multi-chain world in which we now live. All right, anyway, a thought for another day. I'm tossing it to Will. Tease out the last story. Okay, let's talk about it. We're talking about WETH. W-E-T-H. WETH is a wrapped version of Ethereum that lives on the Ethereum chain. And it caused a lot of confusion over the weekend. A lot of people were flooding Ethereum by saying that WETH could be insolvent, which caused Ethereum's price to dip about 4% on Monday. Of course, this was all just Twitter drama. It's not really real. WETH is, again, wrapped Ethereum, but it lives on a smart contract chain, as opposed to a lot of other wrapped assets, which use the custodian and could technically go insolvent. Wrapped Ethereum cannot go insolvent because it's a smart contract. It does trade a little bit below actual Ethereum, uh, but that's only because of some novelties and nuances around how the technology works itself. Still, we saw a lot of people who were buying into the FUD or didn't have quite the education around the space understand what Wrapped Ethereum means. And so they started dumping Wrapped Ethereum as quickly as possible. Still good to know, you know, it's fine. Everything's good. Ethereum is back up today. We had a nice tweet from Justin Soon actually commemorating this little FUD bit on Twitter, which we'll throw up here in a second. And, you know, Justin Soon's going to always get his little plug in there. So I'd love to see it. Uh, There's a lot of different Twitter influencers and crypto influencers running around with this gambit. Again, it was just basically a commemoration of education space, sort of making light of the insolvencies we've been seeing over the last few months, maybe even like looking back to the Luna fiasco in May. Uh, but this was just more of a gimmick than anything else. So definitely move markets a little bit. Zach, I'm going to throw it over to you, get your take on this whole story. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, isn't it funny how ETH is ETH and WETH is WETH? Or maybe we just don't say it. Like, you know, I just, I just, it's funny when you said mm. WETH because I, I never really thought of it that way. But anyway, just, Weth. just, just a note Weath? on Weath. the nomenclature of it all. <laughs> WETH. The weed. I don't know what weed? to call it, but I think it's, uh, you know, it goes back to the crypto literacy, right? Like if you got got and started dumping your ETH over this thing, like that one's on you. That's bad. I mean, don't, don't, don't overreact to some Twitter shenanigans and don't like get wrecked by that. I hope that, 
I hope that the market didn't move up four percent on this. I hope it was something else. But if it really did move on this, that's that's a bit embarrassing. And I'm sorry to people who fell victim to such spoofs. But hey, at least there's still a little bit of fun left in crypto Twitter. That's all I'll say. Jen, what do you got? Isn't it crazy how these jokes and memes can really just drive this industry up and down? I just think it is a scary place for new people to be, but also for newcomers to the space, don't get all of your information on Twitter. People are just having fun on Twitter. There's a lot going on there. It's hard to disseminate um, what is fact from fiction and play. And so just get out there and do your own research. And yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all I got on this. I thought it was a great story. I dug it. I thought it was pretty funny. Did, a lot well. of people were what was kind it, of wait, getting what ashamed was, about it. Go what ahead, was your Jack. favorite part? Was it the Richard Hart tweet? Was that your favorite part? Richard, Richard Hart, Hart tweet was tweet pretty good. I liked the I Richard Hart heard, tweet. You liked the Richard Hart tweet? Yeah, anything with Richard Hart and Gucci, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, there was a few other tweets. Uh, Anthony Sassano had some good tweets about this. Saw a few Ethereum developers jumping in on the action. I mean, I think they were just kind of blowing off some steam. But then I did see some other people come in and were pretty unhappy about it, saying, like, this isn't how you treat the space. People need more education out there. So maybe they're right. Maybe it's not Don't appropriate to do that to fund like people inappropriately. Hey, just some shenanigans. Just, just <laughs> yeah. some Twitter people shenanigans. Fun. I ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. We'll leave the show there on that note. That's it for the hash today. Thanks for watching us on Coindesk TV. Also, thanks for listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Love the podcast network. Lots of great stuff we're there. Thanks for checking it out. All right. We'll be back. I think it is. Is it Taco Tuesday? Is it Tuesday today? It's, it's Taco, Taco Tuesday today. Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. All right. We're going to go eat some tacos and stuff. We'll be back on Wednesday. We wish you well. I'm Zach. That's Jen. There's Will. We're the hash. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 